Yeah, we've had some great topics and subjects in the past couple of weeks and some interesting guests, actually some missionaries from the Middle East, and we look forward to having some guests in the, in the near future. So I'm here I'm with my good friend, the assistant David Abood. Jen, how are you? Wonderful to be here. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, it sure is. Yeah. So uh, once again, yeah, this is WNZN Radio, uh, Lorraine, Ohio. Perhaps if you can't hear us real clear on your radio, you can live stream us on your computer, and that would be www.wnzn.org, www.wnzn.org. And uh, again, we're happy that you tuned in. Our goal really is just to strengthen believers as well as to share the good news of the gospel with people that might be listening out of curiosity but never really made that commitment to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's our hope that you this will strengthen your faith but also introduce you to to Jesus if you don't have that relationship. We do that through Bible studies, through apologetics, which is basically building the case and proving the case that the Bible is indeed true. We have special guests up from a wide range of backgrounds and ministries, both local and national as well as international. And that's what we hope to keep doing in the future. Yeah. Any comment, David, on any of this? Yeah, and, and one of the other things is uh, we always mention about uh, the importance of trying to find a local church and the importance of that. And, uh, you know, because you definitely need to be with fellow believers. And there's so much in the Bible where Christ talks about the importance of, of being in a church because you're actually under his protection. Uh, you know, when you're in a church with fellow believers, uh, and it keeps you, uh, you know, walking down the right path in a lot of, a lot of areas in your life. Right, John? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so many things you can do there, um, and be involved in your church in so many ways. So that's one of the other key things that we like to try and, you know, invite you to think about. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. We'll recap that. Too. Yeah. So the topic we've got started on a couple of weeks ago is, mm -hmm. um, seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And what I mean by that is uh, the Bible is essentially two books, one story. It's the Old Testament, uh, which is 39 books written over a period of time, maybe 1,500 years. And then there's a when the Old Testament comes to a close, there's like a 400-year break there, interim. And then the New Testament starts. And, of course, the New Testament has 27 books or letters. But they're, they're combined. It's a very important thing that the Bible has what's called a prophetic feature. It predicts things. It prophesies. It gives shadows or a typology, which is like an image of Jesus in the Old Testament, and it's fulfilled in the New Testament. And it really shows you how solid our faith is and why this book is inspired of God. God is out of space and time, so it's not hard for him to tell us something 500 years before it happens that is going to happen, like with high specificity, like Micah chapter 5 says, when the Messiah comes, he'll be born in Bethlehem, you know, and, and that's 500 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Right. So how does right. that work? Right. So it's a little like I always say, well, what is it now? Uh, what is it? Seven months from now, there'll be a Super Bowl. And if I could write in an envelope on a piece of paper, the name of the two teams in the Super Bowl the final score, and the most valuable player. That's only three things, predictions. Sealed envelope, gave it to you, and the day after the Super Bowl, you opened it. There's the name of the winning team, the final score, and the most valuable player. That would be phenomenal. That would be high, high. you make a lot of money. But, I mean, that's only three. 
predictions mm-hmm. seven months out. Right. Well, how about if you get 300 predictions, yeah. 500, 1,000 years? No, We're going to look at today 2,000 years before Jesus Christ came on the scene. Yeah. That's phenomenal. W- wasn't there something like 333 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in the Bible, or is there more than that? I forget. Do I have that number right? Well, you, you, yeah. we got to get the finding prophecies. Like some are really specific, like right. he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's got to be right. betrayed. Others, what we what we got today is pictures of Jesus, um, what they call types or uh, foreshadowing. When Abraham offers up Isaac, why is that a picture of Jesus Christ? We're going to look at that for sure. Now, Jesus says in John chapter 5, search the scriptures for they yeah. testify of me. Another time he says, if you would have believed Moses, you would have believed me because Moses wrote about me. Well, Moses, when he refers to Moses, that means the first five books of the Bible. We call it the Torah or the Pentateuch, and that includes the book we're going to look at right. today, yeah. which is Genesis. So we're going to this very important story uh, about Abraham offering up Isaac. And just yeah. to give a little backstory on this, David, Abraham, Abraham is called of God. He's living in a, a land that present day, perhaps Iraq, we don't know, but God calls him out of idolatry. It'll say that his family was involved in idolatry. That was their systems back then, idols and bowing down to idols, right? worshiping false gods, and he calls him to go to this land that he doesn't even know about, but we know today, of course, it's the promised land, it's Israel. And he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Matter of fact, he says this in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. You can read this if you would like to. Okay, where, where are you, Jan? Chapter 12 of Genesis. Uh, and uh, here's where God has given him a promise, or what we call a covenant, uh, that he's going to be a great man. He's going to actually influence the world. Okay, Genesis 12. Yeah, verses 1 through 3. You got it. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so here we see it. This is the start. He's going to get this one man, Abraham, He's going to make promises to him. Right. Of course, Abraham is going to have a son named Isaac, which mm-hmm. we're going to look at today, that Isaac is going to have a son named Jacob, and out of him will come the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. Out of them will come the prophets of God. Out of them will come the Jewish nation. And, of course, out of them will come ultimately Jesus, the Messiah. But notice in this promise, he says, all families of the earth shall be blessed by you. So the question today to you and to me and to people listening, have you been blessed through this blessing that happened? Out? Well, yeah. If you're a Christian today, you've been blessed through the promises we're going to look at that happened yes. thousands of years ago. Right on. It's a very powerful story. Sure is, yeah. So let's look. Now, okay, interesting, he's called the father. It's there he's in songs, Sunday schoolers saying that Father Abraham, Father Abraham. Yeah. By Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all recognize this man as the father of the faith. He's the one that a monotheistic, single God uh, belief is going to be developed through this man Abraham. He's not a perfect man. He has faith. Other times he he has doubts. He's fearful. He's got, it's very, very human. But nevertheless, God has his hand on him for a purpose. 
And one of the big things we're going to see is that he is going to have this son. And if you look at chapter 17, Abraham, actually the name means father of a multitude, but he has no children, right? And so this angel comes to him, uh, which is very, very interesting. And it says on, uh, if you look at chapter 17. Right, I have it. Look at just, let's say, uh, verse 1 and one through 4. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Okay, so now, here's the promise coming, okay? Uh And again, Abraham means father of multiple, but he's got no children. Right, he's 99. Yeah. (laughs) So look at verse uh, 15 through 17, the same chapter 17 of Genesis. God also said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. Oh, so it's spelled originally C-A-S-A-R-A-I. Mm-hmm. And then uh, God said, spell it S-A-R-A-H. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's the difference in there? One, it's just oh, okay. God often changes names. Oh, I see. Yeah. I means princess. Oh, I see. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Okay, so now we see that the the promise is now coming, and um, God has said, your wife is going to bear a son, and he's going to be the the, the blessing. He's going to be the one I'll establish my covenant with him. Um, but the thing with Abraham and Sarah, they're too old to have children. Mm-hmm. So this is a miraculous birth. Mm-hmm. This is one of the ways Isaac is a type or a picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Number one, he's the long-awaited child. Number two, he's the child of blessing. Number three, he's the child to bring the covenant. Number four, he's going to be born of a miracle birth. Yes. The ultimate miracle birth. Right. Virgin birth. He's long awaited, and this is this is this pronouncement is made by God. So there's many ways we're going to see Isaac is what we call in the Bible study type or shadow or a picture of Jesus, even though it's thousands of years before Jesus comes. And we know that he's going to be born at a specific time. That's what the angel told Mary also. And he's also his name is given before he's born. Right. Just like Mary was told by the angel, you shall call his name Jesus. So because means Savior, he will save his people from their sins. So we see if we had a chart, uh, the listeners could see, you know, that there's a, there's a correspondence between Isaac and Jacob. Isaac and Jesus is very, very yeah. pronounced. Yeah, sure. Very pronounced. Uh-huh. Okay, so he's finally born. Right. And then you come to chapter 22, and this is where we're going to focus on this whole idea. And he says, uh, look at uh, Isaac. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering 
on a mountain, I will show you. Okay, here we go now. Yeah. So all through Abraham's life, he's been tested. Sometimes he's faithful and he he, he's, he does the right thing. Other time, when there's a family, he doesn't seek the Lord. He goes down to Egypt. He gets in trouble there. He yeah. says to his beautiful wife, tell the men here that you're my sister. I don't want to get killed for you. And he lies. See, he sometimes uh, he's, he's he does the right thing and he's faithful. Other times he doesn't and God rescues him. But this time is the big test. This is the big test. Yeah. And if there's a climactic thing going on here. We'll look at that in a moment. It builds to this point. So it's almost like a story is reaching this climactic point here. This test is the big one. Hmm. Okay. And what is it? He says, he says, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, he said, here I am. He says, take your son, your only son. See? And of course, see what is it? He says, whom you love. First time love is mentioned in the Bible. We're going to do a study on this one. Is it really? I didn't know that. Yes. This is called the principle of first mention. The first time something is mentioned, like altar, priest, right. sacrifice, this is the first time love is mentioned in the Bible. Wow. It's very significant. Huh. He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. You know what this sounds like? John 3.16. Yeah. For God so loved the world. So loved the world. He gave you only son. son. That's a beautiful tie-in. tie Yes. And not only that, but... If you're Abraham, you're thinking this is the son of promise. I was supposed to build a, all these, you know, build a nation. How's this going to happen if you take my only son? You're exactly right. Yeah. So that's why this is such a big test. Wow. This is yeah. enormous. Uh, he says, "Take your son, your only son, whom you love." Now, uh, this is going to be the picture of this great moment. This is a great moment in Jewish history in the Old Testament, but it's one of the clearest pictures we're going to see about the Father. God offering up his only begotten yeah. at Jesus. Right. So notice, Mount Moriah, mm-hmm. and study this other places, that is in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. The Mount is it's Moriah. That's mm-hmm. one of the titles of the hills. So this is taking place not in Athens or Rome or Cairo. It's in Jerusalem. It, isn't this, isn't the other tie-in too, wasn't this close to where Jesus was crucified? Exactly right. Okay. Exactly. I don't know how close. I forget the... It's very close. Okay. Yeah, they Mariah is actually going to be where the temple is going to be eventually built. Oh, that's right. And Jesus is yeah. crucified real close to the... That, yeah. Let's put it... Yeah. Sure. Not, it's not Athens or Carthage. Uh, it's Jerusalem. Mm. And it's, the, the, so he rises early. Mm-hmm. He saddles his donkey. Now, remember, how did I, how did Jesus go in? On, yeah, on a donkey. On a donkey. Yeah. On Sunday. He would die that yeah. week. Right. And then he takes two of his young... That's still incredible, not to cut you off, but to think how they honored him. And a week later, they kill him. Unbelievable. But anyway, that's a side... That's, that's a another point. side uh, show. Um, yeah, so you want me to continue on three? Uh, three is good. Okay. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. There is a per- now, this is important. This is not Abraham's idea. This is God's direction. Uh-huh. We're going to see later that even though we say, okay, the Romans crucified Jesus right. and the Jewish delivered him and all, it's really God's plan. Uh-huh. It's God. That's why Jesus will pray in the Garden of Gethsemane three times, if it be your will, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And this is so important on so many levels, David, that 
Jesus wasn't killed in a sense by the Jews or the Romans or the, it was God's plan that he be killed. This was his plan way back from the very beginning. Yeah, right from that's the Garden like, of Eden. Yeah, that's why anytime through the history, people would persecute or or, hear, or kill Jews because they said they killed Jesus. They got it all wrong. It was God's plan. It's just like here, it's God's plan that Abraham offer up Isaac. The picture here. Now, as Abraham is going to take his only son, he's got these two guys with him. But he says, um, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. He's, we're going to see this third day. Yeah. It's very important. Right. We're going to do a whole show on the third day. Ah. It was remarkable in the Old and the New Testament. Yeah. Okay, but it's the third day. Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. The boy or the lad and I will go up and worship. And notice what he says in verse 5. Yeah, uh, he said to his servants, "Stay here and uh, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you." Who's coming back? With well, thrown out. We will come back to you. But what's he going to do up there? What's oh yeah, he's supposed to be killing. Kill him. Him. Right. So what is maybe Abraham has a glimpse of what? Resurrection. Oh wow. Do you see that? Oh, he didn't say, I'm going to come that. back to you. Yeah, we'll come back. We will come back to you. Oh, that's see, interesting. I want to show you. I never saw that. Yeah, keep a place here. And when yeah. you look at um, Hebrews chapter 11, it says something very interesting regarding this. Hebrews 11 says this, verse 17. Okay. By faith, Abraham, what he was tested. That's what we're looking at. You're in Hebrews what? Uh, chapter 11, okay. verse 17. Got it. What he was tested offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, Isaac's going to have a future. He's going to have generations and generations. He concluded, look at verse 19, that God was able to raise him up. You see that? He understood the death and resurrection. Look at verse 19. Right. That's why he says, I'm the, I and the boy are going to go up. I will come back to you. No, he says, we will come back to you. Because he knew that this boy was the child of promise. Even from the dead. Now look at this. From which he also received him, what? In a figurative sense. See, that's a typology. Figured of what? Figured of the sacrifice of Jesus being crucified wow. and coming back. Do you see how this relates? Yeah. It's, like a, it's like hand in glove, the Old Testament. Once you see it, it really opens up scriptures and it really strengthens your faith. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think one of the things that really helped me is I was starting to read the Old Testament because of its complexity. And I started going down all those bunny trails trying to figure out what they were talking about yeah, in right. some areas. But at the end of the day, I think you summarized it so well that this is all about Jesus, God sending his son down. This Everything. entire book is about Everything. God. And it's about God bringing his son to earth to uh, redeem us and save us. Yeah. And so all the other side stories, it, it, it's a lot easier to get through the entire Bible right. when you realize what it's all about. And when you start to see these patterns, it, it you also realize that God is trying to reinforce to us that this is truly his son. Yeah, right. And that he wrote this book. Yeah. So, right? I mean, that, that's that's the bottom line. Exactly right. Yeah. So, a thousand years, two, three thousand years ago, man always appreciates a story. Yeah. Ever since right. they were sitting around campfires or wherever, movies today, man likes a story. This is the story. 
And like any story, it has a beginning. Yeah. It has an end. It has a main character. Right. It has a climactic moment. It has subplots. It has protagonists and antagonists. It has a conclusion. That's what the Bible is. It yeah. just happens to be a true story. But the main character is Jesus. That's why Jesus says, search the scriptures, for they testify. Here's, here's the issue, David. Many people discount Christianity because they never examined it. They never examined it. And they just throw it out because maybe they were raised just going to church yeah. and just, oh, I have to go right. to church because my parents told me or I did this. Right. I never had yeah. a Bible. They don't. They never really looked into it. That's what we're encouraging people through this radio show, to look at the evidence. I mean, this is the first book of the Bible, and you're getting like a clear snapshot yeah. of, the, of, the, of the crucifixion. Right. So you have the father figure, right, in Abraham. And so who wrote Genesis? Moses? Moses. Right. He so Moses wrote Genesis. Think about how far away that was. Oh, yeah. Crucifixion. Yeah. Oh, that's... Uh, yeah. 2,000 years. He's right. Almost 2,000 years. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's not that, that, notice that, a couple things here. If Abraham is a type of the heavenly father, it's going to offer his only son. Right. He loves. Yeah. Notice the two witnesses. Where are they when he goes up to offer the son? They stayed out. Yeah, they're down there. When Jesus was crucified, who was alongside him? Yeah, two thieves. And what happened for three hours? God pulled what? occurred in the darkness yeah right mm -hmm. these guys don't see essentially what's happening between the father and the son but there's two people but there's two people participating because the ultimate issue at a cross was between the father and the son that's why god will bring a curtain of darkness for three hours yeah this goes back to the the book we're going to write on numbers the number two yeah. <laughs> you start to see but notice they don't see no i know the essential <laughs> transaction right yeah so now it says uh, verse 6, I'm back in Genesis now. Oh, Genesis 22? Uh-huh. Okay, you go ahead. I so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac. Who's carrying the wood? Isaac. So it's like the cross. Jesus is carrying the cross. Exactly right. Man. This tells us, too, this is not a little boy. This is a young man. But he's willingly carrying, the, he's carrying this up. Yeah. I mean, how much more detail... And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Notice, it's the, they're, they're walk, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? That's right. What did Jesus pray three times in the Garden of Gethsemane? Take this cup from me. But nevertheless, I will do your will. Let's walk so together. Obedience all the way. Let's walk together. Yeah, full obedience. Because you know Isaac could have taken his dad out. He was a big... Could have ran away. Yeah. Could have ran away. But notice they walked together. Right. Jesus and the Heavenly Father walked together. And that was why that Garden of Gethsemane was so, we can't imagine when Jesus saw that cup that he had to drink, yeah. the physical abuse, the shame, the ridicule, the, the, the emotional, we don't even know everything. Right. But he took it. Right. And then Isaac said to his father, father, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, look at the fire and I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> You see this? Yeah. Now this is this is this is very important because the book of Hebrews says there's no perfect animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. All they could do was cover sin. They could never take it away. Right. You read that. There's a very important point. I want to very what's going on. Oh yeah. He yeah. says this. Yep. He says uh verse ten. For the law having the shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never 
with these same sacrifices which they continually offer year by year approach make perfect, for then they would have ceased to be offered. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. So the whole Old Testament is where is the lamb? There's no perfect lamb. That's why he says, what's the summary of the Old Testament? Where is the perfect sacrifice? How does John introduce Jesus at the River Jordan? How does John the Baptist? He is the uh, the old, he had this, this, uh, the old the lamb. lamb. He'll take away the sin. He takes away the sin, yeah. not covers right. the sin right. of the world. He'll take away. Take away. Right. Old Testament, yeah. where's the lamb? Yeah. New Testament shows the lamb. That's what yeah. the gospel, and what does it say in Revelation? All nations, tribes, tongues, and families will be gathered around and worshiping what? The Lamb. Right. Old Testament, yeah. where's the Lamb? New Testament, behold the Lamb. Eternity, when we're all around it, worthy is the Lamb. That's a synopsis overview of the entire Bible. That ties into what we were talking about last week, too, um, in our story. You know, just just the fact that uh, that Christ takes away, you know, he, he cleanses our sin. And it's another race altogether. It's another race yeah, right. that comes out of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. So, again, the people that think their sins are too great, no. You're living in the old race. Right. Everything has been cleansed exactly by his right. blood. Exactly. That's the thing That's the thing you have to get over, and then you start to run for it. You run because you realize what it is his sacrifice is giving you. And then you have to look back in the rearview mirror. Anymore. It's, over. it's a new race, man. Jump in. That's what, so that's what it's any, all about. If yeah. any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Right. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are, all things are new. And that's why when you share this with people, it's yeah. like you're offering them, it's hard to describe. Like, I mean, if somebody was offering you a, a Visa Gold and a million dollar and a condo in Hawaii, and people are going, hmm, and maybe I'll think about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're saying, here it is. Yeah. You can have it. You know, they go, oh. I mean, you know, uh, it's funny. Somebody asked me a question. I, I forget because, you know, it's all the a while back. And they're like, well, who would you be if you could be somebody? You know, before, this was before I was a Christian. And I always thought the invisible man would be cool because you could go anywhere you wanted. Right. But now we have the eternal man. Yeah. Right. So that's who I want to be. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I think that, that that's what this is. Eternal. Just the way it was supposed to be when God created Adam. Exactly. You were going to have eternal life. Just don't eat from that one tree. Yeah, That's the only thing. So, yeah, then we're, we're also seeing how the whole obedience thing is coming forth here because Adam was not obedient. Right. And then it cost the whole, our yeah, whole yeah, race, yes, the our whole the old race. Jesus was yeah. called the second Adam, the last Adam. He right. was obedient, and through him we can have new life. Right. New creature, and right. that's that's the other acronym, the second animal, like you just said. That's why it's all another second race. Perfect symmetry, perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah. So now, uh, chapter verse eight in this chapter twenty-two. Yeah. He says, "Abraham said, my son, knows he's the father figure. Right. God will provide for himself the lamb. For oh, so now we see this idea about you know, almost a prophetic hint here." That one day, God will provide himself a lamb. He's going to be the one that's going to make this provision. They came to the place of which God had told them, a specific place, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac 
Notice he bound him with ropes, right? Jesus was bound to the wood with nails. Yeah. He laid him on the altar. So this is an obedient son. He's getting ready, man. And well, he, yeah, and so God himself will provide the lamb, Genesis 22, 8. Jesus, is, isn't he likened to the spotless lamb? Yeah, right. And that's in 1 Peter 1, 18. Uh, to nineteen. Did you did you have it? Did you want to read? That? Well, I, I let me pull it up, but I could. Why you do? I'm gonna just focus yeah. on this lamb. Yeah. Because how did Israel get out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt? Yeah. They were under Pharaoh. It was cruel. It was tormenting, and they God sent Moses with these plagues. But the tenth one was take a lamb without spot or blemish, yeah, kill it, catch yeah. its blood in a bowl, put it on the doorpost. Go inside and cook the lamb. Yeah. And when I see the blood, I will. So you see this lamb getting tied over in the Old Testament yeah. and in the New Testament. You can read that up. Yeah. Either. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. There it is. There it is. I mean, how clear, how clear can it be? I, that's what really makes, you know, in a sense, the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Yeah. But Jesus says, you shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Even the fact that we have freedom in America today, David, it's because people died. You know, soldiers shed their blood. If you think of yeah. what German, Nazi Germany was invading France and Britain, and we could have went under, you know, but somebody shed their blood for us that we can have freedom today. Yeah, you know, we watched that Midway movie together, and you think about those pilots and how they loved their country and their fellow man that much, all the more so with Christ. Yeah. You know, there's so true freedom. Yeah, yeah, right. But it is that, a little picture. Yes, it is a little, yeah. Freedom is not free. No. And ultimate freedom that we have in salvation and freedom from guilt that right. washed our sins away it required blood. Yeah. Always remember, how did Pilate try to absolve his guilt? Remember, he, he wanted wash his hands had water. water. Yeah. See, soap and yeah. water don't do it. Yeah. You need the blood of the lamb. Right. Man always tries to wash his guilt away with psychology, with drugs, with therapy, with drinking. Am I right? You can't. Only through the blood. Right. Only by the blood. And right. I, yeah. You know, that's to the... Yeah. So, now, Abraham stretches out his head. He's going to kill him took the knife to slay his son. Then the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he calls him twice. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. What greater act of obedience, what greater act of love for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten yeah. son. What more can God do? It doesn't even just say, John three sixteen. for God loved the world. It says he so loved the world. You see, that he, his, Abraham's only son was not killed. God's only son was killed. That's that's a powerful difference. But you see how tight the picture is? This is locked in here, man. In the Old Testament, this is like clear. Anybody who wants to see it can see this. Yeah. It's blatant, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, so he says here, Yeah. Um, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in thicket by its horns. Uh, so Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a bird offering instead of his son. So here we see the true offering. Interesting, he's in a thicket, which suggests uh, 
thorns. Thistles. Yeah. And what came up after Adam and Eve sinned? Thorns. Thorns and thistles. thistles. Yeah. Thorns. Yeah. They, what was we described with? Thorns. Thorns. Yeah, and the head of the of the uh, ram was caught in the Antarctic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. there's a lot of interesting little details here. Boy. Little, if it's a painting, you, you notice a lot of little brush marks. Holy smokes, yeah. But how do you get around this? You know, I mean, if somebody says, "Well, Jesus says, search the scriptures for they testify of me." So this is not a hard search. No, I mean it's very detailed. And then we say, and then it says, um, finally, Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, the mount of the Lord it shall be provided, and he says, uh, "Now he gets the blessing." In verse sixteen, by myself the angel of the Lord says, "Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, multiply and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, the sand." which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And we're blessed today because of this. Yeah. But notice he says, he says, uh, your, and your descendants shall possess the gates of your enemies. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he gave the Great Commission. He says, I will build my church and what? The gates of hell will not, will not prevail. prevail. Yeah, the gates of the right. hell yeah. prevail against it. Yeah. Now, this is very interesting. Again, this picture of Jesus being crucified, the Father uh, crucifies him, and Jesus raises from the dead. And then after that, what starts then is what we call Acts of the Apostles, the growth of the church, right. which is called the Bride of Christ. Right. So okay, anybody that's born again, Washed in the blood of the Lamb, you're a bride of Christ, and you're the bride of Christ. What happens after the, it, they come down, then next chapter, Sarah dies. But then what's interesting is in chapter 4, we see the father sending his chief servant to do what? To get a bride for his son Isaac. Do you notice that? Yeah, Genesis uh, 24. Oh, 24. Yeah, yeah, so after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus says, it's needful that I, I leave. He goes to heaven, and then what does the Father send? He sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to do what? To take a bribe for God's Son. Wow. You see what I'm saying? It's the, the imagery is very powerful. It, it's kind of like, you know, John, the thing I like is is you see these little snapshots of similar themes throughout the whole book. Mm-hmm. Throughout the whole book. And, and that's where you have to... You, how, could you, how could you not say it's, it's not God's word? It's just, you know, I, I think when you start to see all these patterns... You know, the other thing is, is when we look at this example with Abraham, you know, I wrote down, this allowed... Abraham's son and all the world to see the reality of faith and action and allowed us to trust God in all things. You know, faith works. But if you, I, this is the other thing we talked about. I think next week we're going to hit on the attributes of God. How do we know that God exists? But to have a God that we can trust, regardless of what he asks us to do, right. is I, I think one of the most powerful messages I took out of this. Yeah. And if anybody had faith I mean, Paul had great faith, but when I think about somebody else that had incredible faith, I mean, to think about myself taking my son up to a mountain, uh, I I just, I can't even think about it. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't know how I'd act. 
I pray I would act this way if I was asked to do it by God. But, you know, it's still. So I think it was to show us not only the, uh, the obedience of Abraham, but also how he blesses Abraham after that obedience. Yeah, right. Just like Jesus's death, brutal death and resurrection, blessed our new race. Yeah, right. So the obedience of Christ, the obedience of Abraham gave him the nations, you know, the offspring he was promised, but we have to be obedient. Yeah, right. So now we see, right? that, yeah, I'm not, yeah, so now in chapter 24, right. it says that uh, he called, Abraham calls his chief servant in, verse 3 says, swear to the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, you will not take a wife for my son among the daughters of the Canaanites. But you will go to my country to take my. So here we see the chief servant, okay, going out in the far land to get a bride for his son Isaac. Uh-huh. This uh-huh. is after yeah. this death and resurrection kind of situation. Again, after Jesus' death and resurrection, he ascends to heaven. The Father sends forth the Holy Spirit uh, to be a comforter and to lead us to Jesus because then we become the bride of Christ. We don't know the name of the servant, okay? Jesus says the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will not testify of himself, but he will testify of me. The, te- the Holy Spirit does not call attention to himself. Very similar to this servant. No, he goes and we know he meets this woman, okay? She feeds his camels, gives drink later yeah. on in this chapter right. 24. She never, she never met Isaac. The only thing she knows about Isaac is what? What the servant tells her. We never physically met Jesus, right? The only thing we know about Jesus is what the Holy Spirit reveals to him through his word about his attributes, his character, but it's real, like like we're looking into a face. That's why he'll say to Thomas, blessed are you, Thomas, for you have seen and you believe. More blessed are those that have not seen me but believe. See, but we see Jesus in a sense from the pages of Scripture as the Holy Spirit forms him in us. But it's the same thing with this woman. So finally, he says to her, um, she's going to agree to go with, basically marry Isaac. Right. And so once she starts an agreement, verse 22 of chapter 24, he gives her uh, a ring, a bracelet, uh, silver. uh, You know, what happens when we accept Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Right. Gifts. Okay. Gifts of wisdom, gifts of insight, gifts of administration, hospitality. We get gifts. Yeah. Gifts. Yeah. We don't deserve them, but we get them. And then finally, we see that she's going to go with, uh, she she actually agrees. She says, I will go, you know, and I will be, she's never met him physically, you know, but she's trusted the Holy Spirit. And um, they go through how they met and everything. And so, it's this thing comes to an end when it says um, he's bringing her back now, and uh, look at uh, chapter twenty-four, um, and look at verse sixty-three and sixty-four. This is when the servant is bringing her back to meet Isaac, who neither of them met before. Okay, he went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her her camel. Okay, now look. Okay, he the son comes out. Uh huh. You know he leaves his father's house, so to speak. Right. He comes out. 
she's coming towards him. The Bible talks about when the Lord returns, he'll return in the air. He leaves the Father's home and he comes and the bride of Christ is coming out from the earth to go meet him. And then uh, it's she says in verse 65, she said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field? Sir, it is the master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebecca, she became his wife, and he loved her. And then that, that that what's going to happen at the end of the age? The book of Revelation says Jesus returns. He's the bridegroom. He gets his bride. And then there's the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Right. You see this stamp picture yeah. here? The first yeah. book is pictured in the last book of the Bible. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. How do you get there? You know, I mean, how can, we're just touching on these things, David. We're going to take a different topic next week in terms of the Bible proofs of the existence of God. It's an easy way to understand if somebody... You want to just talk to somebody, is there a God or is there no God? Probably the most important question ever asked. But after that, we're going to go back into Genesis and see pictures of Jesus in them. We just start. Yeah, it's it's a seamless book written over, you know, 2,000 years by 40 different authors. Exactly right. How do you, how can you explain that other than the obvious? This is the word of God. I mean, yeah, a lot of issues. But it flows perfectly. It doesn't seem... It seems like it was written by the same author. Yeah, right. That's the bottom That's line. Right. It, it, there's no other way to say it. It's the same author. <laughs> he has a plan right. in mind. Yeah. He has, a, he has right. a, a beginning and an end. Right. But notice you brought up a good point. This is the climactic moment in the life of Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. His whole life builds to this. Right. And then, But what is this, this thing that happens is this picture of death and resurrection. Death, resurrection, and then a bride. You see this this idea of this is a motif. Mm-hmm. This is a kind of a, this uh, thing mm-hmm. that is happening here, but it's at the high moment of his life. We call it the pinnacle, at the climactic moment of Abraham's story. We'll go back to Genesis when God created Adam. Yeah, and he created all the animals. Then he creates Adam, and then he that he's naming all the animals, and God says it's not good that Adam be alone. Yeah. What does he do with Adam? Puts him to sleep. Deep sleep. Takes, take his rib, out his eye, takes his rib. He crashes his woman. And then yeah. what does he do? He rises him back. A type of death right. and resurrection. Yeah. And then what does he present him? A bride. Right. Yeah. Death, resurrection, and the presentation of the bride. Right. With Abraham and Isaac, what do you get? Death, a type of resurrection, and then the presentation yeah. of the bride. We're going to see this again in the scriptures. It's the water marker runs through the scriptures, right? Yeah, John, the other thing I wrote down is, you know, many centuries after God's command for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, Jesus said, your father Abraham, this was in John eight fifty six. Right. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And I guess this is reference to uh, Abraham seeing the ram caught in the thicket. In Genesis 22. Could be. And uh, I don't know. Well, he certainly understood the resurrection. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it said that he, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively he thought that Isaac would come back from the dead. That was Hebrews 11, 19. That's that's it. I don't know. So these guys saw stuff. We sometimes think, well, the Old Testament, they don't understand the resurrection. They don't understand uh, all of this stuff that's been revealed in the New Testament. But that's not true. God was showing these men pictures of. Uh, I think we're going to wrap the program up, and we're very happy everybody that's uh, listening in today. 
we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, but we're offering you like proofs that you can go back into this Bible, this ancient book, right, and see pictures of Jesus Christ. Uh, so clear, it's just uh, uh, amazing. But um, it, I'm in the book of Job, and he has something very uh, interesting um, to say regarding the resurrection. And now Job is arguably the oldest book in the Bible. Some think it's right up there with the, the Torah, book of Genesis, the Deuteronomy and Exodus. It's all right. But look what Job says in chapter 19, verse 23. We're going to look at several verses, and then we're going to close for today's show. Okay, Job 19, verse 23? Uh, sure. And 24. Okay. Uh, oh, that my words were recorded, and they were written on a scroll. And they were inscribed with an iron tool on on lead and engraved in rock forever. Okay, so he's saying the words that I'm going to speak, I don't want them just written down in a book. Right. I want them engraved on a rock with an iron pen, like a chisel. Yeah. I lead. In other words, it did that. I want this thing to last forever. You like some of those ancient monuments have yeah. these inscriptions. That's how important this is. What I'm going to say here. Mm -hmm. Then he says, "For I know." that my Redeemer lives, yeah, and he shall stand and last on the earth. Talking about the second Friday in here. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, this is the second thing he knows, right? that in my flesh I shall see God. He's saying after my, my body has been decayed, right. I know something, that in my flesh he sees a resurrection body. See, what, what's going to happen when his Redeemer returns to the earth? All the bodies are coming out. Yeah. They're going to be changed in the twinkle of an eye. He's seeing this thousands and thousands of years ago, and he wants us to, he wants to write it so we can read it today. We're reading it today, right? Okay. We're reading it today. <laughs> I shall see for myself. I'm going, to, it's, I'm going to see eye to eye this coming one. And my eyes shall be whole and not another. Oh, how my heart yearns within me. Because he has this hope, his, he's, he's transcendent. It gives him a, a way to live life because he knows that God is coming back. He's coming back in the flesh. This, his mortal body that's long since been in the grave is going to rise up, and he's going to see it. And because of it, his heart is is yes, yeah. this hope. Howard, well, what's the significance of the body uh, raising up? Because it's our spirit that goes up, and we're all supposed to be young in heaven, right? I mean, so well, all of our all of our frailties and you know whatever when we pass, that that all gets washed away supposedly yeah but man is body soul and spirit and one of the things that you see it really elaborated yeah we're stuck Corinthians chapter 15 right when when Jesus returns don't forget he rose from the dead right and right well the body he ate right. fish he, they touched him and everything as a in the end of, it was a resurrected body nevertheless it was a body he wasn't just spirit he's the first fruit as he came out we're coming out and that's why what he returns it says those that are asleep in the grave will come out. Well, our body is going to be united with our soul, and, but it's going to be uh, perfected. It's going to be glistening. It's going to be, uh, it's hard to describe, but we're going to actually have bodies. Now, we're not just floating like spirits or something. We're going to have a body. It's going to be renewed, restored. and So it's almost like bringing back the Garden of Eden. Yeah, right. Where right. we're walking with God yeah, exactly. and our physical selves, but also spiritual, exactly. eternal life with him. Exactly right. Boy, that's... That is something to think about. Yeah, right. Wow. Right. So we do appreciate everybody listening in today. Um, you know, these are great truths to be thinking about and checking it out for yourself because 
Man, you know, life is short and <laughs> death is certain, but the death is in the end. You know, it's just a comma. Yeah, and you know, we, we've said this so many times, don't wait to get into the Word. Don't, don't, don't wait till you're sitting in your rocking chair. You might not have that time. We don't know how much time we have. The Bible says, yeah. most not thyself of tomorrow, for you do not know what one day to bring forth. Yeah, and, and Jesus gave us a command to create disciples. So we all have a mission as Christ followers, and it's it's great to do that when you have the energy and the ability to do that. Exactly so, right, exactly yeah. right. So that's how it goes, you know, yeah. and, and the, the story is amazing once you start, and we're just scratching the surface on this stuff. You know, we get yeah. in depth, it'll really, really, really go. And to me, it strengthens one's faith. And if the person is not a believer, a challenge them to look at it. Just right. consider it. I guess right. what, I, what I say, just consider the evidence and let it take you where it goes. Yeah. You know, and uh, we won't be sorry. And yep. we'll be sorry. All right, David, thank you. Great being here, John. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah, God have bless. a great weekend. God bless you all. And as David said earlier, find a good Bible-believing church and go to it. Be part of the fellowship, you know, and uh, it'll reap you benefits, both here and up in, in heaven. God bless you all. Have a good week. Just as a postscript, uh, we want to wish everybody a very, very, very Merry Christmas, as we said before, and a blessed and prosperous New Year. God bless you all, and uh, look forward to uh, the coming New Year.